Welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. I'm your host, Mike McGarry, and I'm here in our online studio with my friend, Doug Franklin. Doug is the founder and president of Leader Trek's youth ministry. Doug and his wife, Angie, live in the Chicago area and have been huge encouragement to me. Uh, Doug, you might not realize this, but in the, the months leading up to uh, when I launched Youth Pastor Theologian were really difficult and a sensitive uh, time in my life, as, as you know. And your, um, your, your ministry, your friendship uh, to me and, and, and towards me uh, was really instrumental, and the Lord used that in some really meaningful ways that I will always be grateful for. Uh, so, Doug, uh, really thankful for you. I love you, brother, and I'm really overjoyed to have you on the YPT podcast today. Welcome. Oh, man, I'm glad to be here. And I'm really excited about the launch and all that's been happening with a youth pastor theologian. And so I am a big, big fan. So I am a I, I, I always told you, I think you should do this. I think you should you should <laughs> you go did. out in you this did. way. And I think youth pastors need these resources and they need this encouragement and they need this help, this challenge really to start looking at the theological reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. This is great. Yeah, yeah. I, I know th- there was a season when I kind of felt like this is something that I want to do, but no one cares. And, um, and, and you're like, Mike, suck it up. You're just scared. Um, we need something like this and, um, yeah, very, very grateful for you and for your, your encouragement. Um, so enough sappiness. Um, (laughs) it's always fun, uh, to talk with you, brother. And I, I love leader treks. I love what you guys do. Um, and I, I tell people all the time, uh, hands down the best missions trip that I ever led, um, in my 18 years of youth ministry was a leader treks uh, missions trip. And uh, so I, I want uh, you to talk a little bit about what leader treks is all about before we dive in. But um, our, our topic of conversation today is about uh, student leadership as discipleship. That's a huge emphasis in um, what you guys do and what you're all about. Uh, so could you share a little bit about leader treks? Uh, and then I have another question uh, before we dive into student leadership. Love talking about it. Um, so our mission is to develop leaders to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, we, we believe that for students to have impact and influence in culture today, they're going to need to be leaders. Culture is a stream, a powerful river that is running away from Christ, and they're going to stand in that river, and they're going to point everybody a different direction. And to be able to do that, to be able to withstand that river, uh, they're going to need to be leaders. And so uh, we just, we're just passionate about developing leaders to fulfill the Great Commission. And then second of all, you know, the strategy that we use to do that, we do that in three ways. We do it with mission trips, which is this really great transformational experience where we take the normal missions trip and we find, to, find ways to take every aspect of that trip and turn it into a leadership lab for students. And then we do it through curriculum, uh, all kinds of curriculum to support youth pastors and to see them become successful. And then also uh, through um, training events. And so um, I, I, as we were talking earlier, it's training event season. And so we're off to a lot of different training events, ones that we run and ones that other people run as we really work to encourage youth pastors. So 
I like to say, you know, our mission statement is to develop leaders to fill the Great Commission, but practically what we do is we help youth pastors make disciples and develop leaders. And we're really, we're really in that space, help youth pastors to be able to be successful in all that they're doing when it comes to those two things. Yeah, I love it. So uh, listeners now can see why, why we're having this conversation, right? So before we dive into talking about student leadership as discipleship, I think it's always fun for our listeners to get to know our guests a little bit more as a person, not just as kind of the experts on the topic. Um, so Doug Franklin, as a teenager, who was your favorite athlete? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I grew up in Chicagoland, uh, so I was a big Walter Payton fan. But I, I was also influenced oh, yeah. by my grandfather a lot. And when I was young, he was a Miami Dolphins guy. He lived in Florida, and so we would always go down there, and okay. he would always preach dolphin fever to me. And so I became a big Dolphins fan, and I, I'm so old that I remember the perfect dolphin season, 72. So I was a big, oh, I was wow, a big yeah. uh, Bob Greasy uh, fan as well, too. So yep. when it came time to make my PIN number for my, you know, my bank account, I went Bob Greasy, yeah. uh, Walter Payton. So they're, they're, these two have always stayed with me <laughs> as I've... As yes. I've, people are always like, where did you get that PIN number? My wife is always like that. I'm like, well, that's Walter Payton and Bob Greasy, right? I mean, that was, yep. that was sort of the so two guys... So if we ever steal your ATM card, now we know what to do. <laughs> now you know what to do, right? They just got to figure out the order and there's probably only two different things you have to try to do. <laughs> but yeah, Bob Greasy, I, that, I, love those two I, I was not expecting... I was expecting, uh, you know, Walter Payton. Um, I, I was maybe expecting yeah. a Blackhawk. I was not expecting Bob Greasy oh. for this question for you. Yeah. I got, I got into the Blackhawks. Well, I did watch the Blackhawks a lot when I was young and Tony Esposito. And uh, I actually, yeah. Tony Esposito just died a few years, like a year or two ago. And I live in the same town as yeah. Tony. And so, but I never oh, got wow. to meet him. So Tony Esposito was another, oh, I mean, no. and that's a connection yeah. to you because you were, you had bro- you you had Tony's brother. Uh, yeah, I can't remember yeah, his yeah, first yeah. name. Oh, Phil, Phil Esposito. Phil. Phil. So, yep. um, yeah, uh, yeah, and and more more because the Bears have been so bad over the last fifteen years. I've become much more of a Blackhawks fan, and so um, you know, I I've got the Taves jersey signed hanging in oh, my yeah. office. So, yeah. um, but you know, uh, but it was Bob Greasy and Walter Payton when I was a kid. So, yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, hey, so when we're talking about student leadership as discipleship, um, uh, but could you, could you kind of set some frameworks for us for when we're talking about leadership, what is leadership? Um, what isn't leadership? And how does the gospel shape the way that Christians approach that conversation? Yeah. So I would say my simple definition of leadership is one that many share, which is leadership is influence. It's having impact. It's, it's impacting other people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to think of it that way as influence and impact, because I think a lot of times when we talk about leadership with our students, what they hear is command and control. Like, I'm going to get to tell other people what, they get, yeah. what they're going to do. And it's funny mm-hmm. because students don't like that kind of leadership. They're, they're not into that kind of leadership. Right. That's the yeah. old um, pyramid where you're on the top, you tell everybody else what to do. I think the kind of leadership that students actually want is they want that upside down pyramid where 
the leader is at the bottom and they support everybody else and they have empathy for everybody else. So I, I, I think that, um, that helping students understand what is real Jesus servant leadership is really important, but it's influence and it's impact. So where does that yeah. fit into discipleship, I think, is a really great question. And I think as we think about disciples as having empathy for other people, in other words, remaining others-focused, really effective leaders today remain others-focused. They care about others. They serve others. They, they make room for everybody, all of these types of things. And I think that's where it really intersects with discipleship in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So from your own personal background, uh, could you share a little bit? Like, how did you, um, how did you come to, to value student leadership and, and just Christian leadership so much? Were you uh, someone as a teenager who um, would have considered yourself a leader? Um, can I just share a little bit about your own background in leadership yeah. development? You know, I, I think... Um... I was always that high school football player at church who sat in the back row and didn't want to talk and was highly sarcastic. And, you know, my youth pastor uh, came along my junior year and was like, I see leadership in you. And I was like, really? I don't, boy, I don't know what you're looking at, but I don't, I don't see it. But my football coaches <laughs> would tell me that and, and my friends would tell yeah. me that. And, you know, that, that whole, my youth pastor, my football coach, my friends, they really began to convince me that I could be a leader. And I remember um, I was sitting in class in my junior year and they, they made the announcement, you know, we're having, uh, we're having class officer elections. And my buddy next to me said, hey, why don't you get involved and run for president? And I was like, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I've never been involved in anything other than sports. So, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm doing anything else. So, he actually went out and got the 50 um, signatures that I needed to be <laughs> to, to run yeah. for class president. And uh, lo and behold, I won. And uh, I, I was really surprised by it. And, um, and it really started to transform how I spent my time and how I, what things I did. I went to a really, a really great private Christian high school that really developed all of, all of us. And so when I when I got involved in this, I started to realize, oh my goodness, I can't do this by myself. I need I need all my classmates to solve some of these problems. And then I and then yeah. I realized, oh my goodness, to get my classmates involved, I gotta I gotta make sure that they know it's all about them and not about me. And all of a sudden, it just all started flowing to me. And yeah. and when I became a youth pastor, um, I, I had a youth. I was involved in a youth ministry that was growing pretty rapidly, and so we didn't have enough adult volunteers. We were bringing adult volunteers in, but not fast enough. And so yeah. I really started to say to students, "Hey, could you handle this? Could you handle this?" And every time I I set a higher expectation, the students gravitated to it and jumped over it. So then I started thinking yeah. to myself, "How high can I set the expectation?" You know, so I started <laughs> setting it as high as I could, and they kept jumping over it. So I thought wow, maybe student leadership is not just for a few people, but it's actually for everyone. And um, those, those two things, the experiences that I had in high school with great youth pastor and uh, great yeah. friends and great football coach really helped set me up and made me think about these things. And then when I, when I got into youth ministry, I started thinking more and more about how, how this could actually impact a youth ministry. Yeah. 
Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so when you were, uh, so how long were you a, a youth pastor for? About 12 years. Yeah, yeah. So that's not a short time. Um, so in, in that period of, of time when you were uh, raising the bar um, and um, did you face any pushback from, from parents or from others saying, like, what, do you, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I, I definitely did, and um, it, one is I didn't I didn't know enough about what I was doing, so I I sort of just pushed ahead with student leadership and forgot about yeah. church leadership and parents and getting them on board. So I made a lot of mistakes in yeah. the early days, Mike, like many yeah. of us, um, things that I wouldn't do today. But boy, I made a lot of mistakes. But one of the things that I found was that um, there was a lot of people that told me in my own church. Students can't be leaders at these ages. There was a few, there was a few people that told me that age, yeah, age yeah. and experience were the only the only credentials to leadership, which I don't think is actually true. Um, and then right. there were people outside. So when I was when I was getting into this, I thought, oh, I need some resources to help me like with this, right? So I did what you could only do in nineteen late nineteen eighties and early early nineties was it called youth specialties and said, hey. What kind yeah. of resources do you have, right? And they said none. We don't. We don't even. We're not even yeah. sure if student leadership is part of the conversation in youth ministry. And I think in the early days when I started Leader Treks, I think that was true. There was a lot of youth workers who said to me, "Doug, I'm not sure that this is really our responsibility. Like, are we really supposed to be developing leaders? What's the benefit to youth ministry to be able to do that?" I thought there were a yeah. lot of benefits to youth ministry, and yeah. I think. I think it's been interesting over the last 25, 30 years, you've seen leadership development be maybe a top 30, top 20 priority. And I think now in youth ministry today, you'd say it's a top five priority that youth pastors across the board believe that developing leaders is a transformational experience for students and for their own youth ministries. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's interesting that. Um, in those earlier years, there was uh, almost, it sounds like some discouragement saying, yeah, it might be, it might be worthwhile, but probably not. Um, oh, I, I can think, tell you some yeah. interesting stories. We, we had a, we had a consultant that worked with us in the early, yeah. early, early days, and he was good friends with Mike Iaconelli. And so he went to Iaconelli and said, so have you seen leader treks? Have you seen kind of some of the things that they're doing? He said, no, I haven't seen it, of course, because we were so small. But Iaconelli said, I'm really surprised that you would do something like this. I don't know that I would go to students and say leadership. I think I might do, I might talk about something else like uh, influence or teamwork or something else. So even he was sort of, if you know that name, he was the uh, one of the founders of Youth Specialties yeah. many years ago. Yeah. And um, in the er- late 1990s and early 2000s, he was even like, I don't, I don't know. So he wasn't discouraging. He was just saying, I'm not sure if this is really, this is really part of things. I think there's been a major change in our thinking about leadership. Yeah. But I think there's been some cultural shifts in church that have caused that. One is churches used to be full of leaders and today they lack leaders and they look for ways to develop leaders. And I think youth ministry has been one of those. I think another big phenomenon is the business-minded entrepreneurial senior pastor, which we didn't really see yeah. in the past decade. 
And that that person has come on board and pushed those values down to youth ministry sometimes. And so there's been an emphasis on leadership development because of a John Maxwell influence or or, or yeah. some of the influences from the church planting networks that have put a high priority on leadership development. Yeah. See, Doug, you're just such a trailblazer. See, see the influence. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You know, what's really, what's really, Mike. This is off topic just a little bit, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. If yeah. you see a lot of these parachurch organizations like Leader Trucks, we all were, we all started right around the mid 1990s. We started in '94, but a lot of the missions organizations, a lot of the parachurch organizations, and it's funny because it yeah. coincides when this other thing started called the internet. And so the internet <laughs> was really what fueled our growth. I, think I've heard I of mean. That. I don't, yeah. I mean, if I, if I, if we didn't have the internet, I think I'd still be sending out pigeons and direct mail, you know, it's just, it's, 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 <laughs> it's changed quite a bit, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Sure has. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for that internet thing then. Um, so c- could you circle back a little bit to student leadership as discipleship? Um, so as I've talked about leadership um, with with others and, and shared about leader treks and 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 whatnot, some of the pushback that I've heard is, well, isn't that just like a Christianizing of leadership principles? I don't really see how that's how is that ministry? How is that discipleship? You're you're just kind of giving kids job skills for the future. Um, you know, what's how is that discipleship? So how do you respond to that? Oh, I got a, I got a number of responses to that. I think that's I'm a sure valid question because I think, I, think, I think you could look at the business end of leadership and the fly like an eagle and the, and the take the mountain and all those kind of things. I don't, I'm yeah. not really a big endorser of that kind of leadership, right? I'm the I'm the much bigger endorser of uh, the Jesus leadership style. I I just go back to the story of of Jesus and Zacchaeus. So Jesus is coming into town. Zacchaeus has heard about him and wants to see him. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he says, "Come on out of that tree, wee little man." Can't remember the song exactly, but um, I'm coming <laughs> to your house today because I want to talk to you about things that are going on in your life. To me, that's a story of leadership right? Like that's a story of Jesus could have entered town, found all the religious leaders, talked up a big storm, made himself a big deal. But instead, Jesus looked for the hurting people in the crowd and said, hey, how about I come to your place tonight and we talk about your life? And I think there's discipleship and leadership right there. And when I think about our students, I think a lot about Zacchaeus, to be totally honest with you. I think our, our, our students yeah. have a lot of questions. They're curious. They want to know what's really, what life is really about. They're, you know, and they know that they're missing something. They know that they're empty. They know, mm-hmm. they know that something isn't just right, right? And, and Jesus comes along and we come along as Jesus's reflection. And we're, we're like, hey, we want to come to your house. We want to talk to you. We want to, we're, we're, we're the tip of the spear and we're coming into your place and we want to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you, the gospel of what Jesus Christ did for you uh-huh. and, and how you can deal with this uneasiness, which is really sin. And we want to be able to do it. So when I, when I think about this discipleship and this leadership, I'm thinking Jesus. I'm thinking we got to follow yeah. the Jesus sort of model. So Mike, one way I like to think about it is I like to think about 
the growth of a student spiritually. And these are four terms that I use. I I, I just use these terms, but they're not, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying there aren't better, other better terms, but one term I use is okay. you're a new believer. You have, you, you are a new believer in Christ. You've come to know Christ. You, you realize that your sin has separated you from him and you, you have confessed to him that you are a sinner and there's nothing that you can do and that it's through his blood, it's through his death and resurrection that you, you, you want new life and you want a relationship with him. And I think, yeah. to be honest with you, not to complain too much about youth ministry, but I think a lot of youth ministries stop right there. And I think we got a couple mm-hmm. million kids in youth group in America that are standing yeah. on the starting line of yep. their faith. It's pretty great. But yep. Um, yep. I, I, I really want to know what's, what are we doing next? So I like to think of the next, right. the next step is to really become a worshiper. I get to know who God is. Because so many students yeah. that I talk to today think God is an angry man up in heaven that whacks them for doing things that they do wrong. And that's such a, that's mm-hmm. such a poor view of who God is. God loves them, is in pursuit yeah. of them. Even 2,000 years ago, knowing what they would do, he climbed up on a tree and died for them, right? So they, they, they need to become a worshiper. And a worshiper is someone who adores God. And the definition of adoration is telling God who he is. And this is a big step that I think we're missing in youth ministry is because youth pastors haven't really helped students understand who God is. God is love. Mm-hmm. God is also just. God is kind. God is patient. God is sanct- you know, we, we All these things we want to go through and get yeah. to know God for who God is. And our students don't have a good understanding of who God is, but that's the next step, worshiper. And then from worshiper, you become a disciple. Someone who walks in obedience to what Christ has commanded. I am not afraid to define discipleship. And there's a lot of people in youth ministry today, Mike, who won't define it because they're afraid to offend somebody. I am not, a, I am not ashamed of the gospel, and we should not be ashamed of the gospel. We know Amen. that it says in Matthew, God said to go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them everything I have commanded. So the definition of a disciple must be someone who walks in obedience to what Christ has commanded. So let's not be Mm -hmm. afraid of this. I'd love to say some names right now, but there's a lot of people that are afraid of this and they want to call discipleship something else or they want to define it in a different way. But this is what discipleship is. And I know know that the word obedience is not really a fun, joyful word sometimes. But I want to tell you, being obedient to Christ is fun and joyful. It is experiencing life at the most joyful level you can, right? This is what obedience Mm -hmm. is all about. And so so a disciple is one who walks in obedience to Christ and experiences life to the full. And then I think when you're at that level, then you start to think to yourself, okay, I want to help others become disciples. I want to become a disciple maker. And then you move to, I'm a leader. That's the move from discipleship to leadership is, I'm going to impact and influence other people to become followers of Jesus Christ. So we're a new believer, we're a worshiper, we're a disciple, we're a leader. And I think that's the interaction with discipleship and leadership that's so important. But to my youth pastor friends out there, I would ask you this question. This is a series of questions. First question is, is name some students in your ministry that have become Christ followers in the last few years. 
But then name for me some students that have moved off the starting line of their faith and become disciples in your ministry. This is where I find that a lot of youth pastors struggle. They can tell you names of people who've come to know Christ, but they struggle to really understand who is at that discipleship level, or even to say, tell me the names of some disciples in your youth ministry, because you know you have some that are actually making right. disciples. And I, I think yeah. this is this is really the crux of the matter. And as our youth ministries are struggling, um, as they're shrinking, as they're, this, this change in church and culture is going on right now, I think there is a massive move for, for from youth pastors to go, you know what? I got to start making disciples because disciples can go onto their Christian campuses and they can have impact and influence. Like I can't, I can't get there anymore. I can't go on campus as much as I could in the past. And I, I just yep. think to myself, this discipleship making mindset must be a mindset. So you got to answer mm-hmm. this question. How do you make a disciple? And I think that's where, that's where this begins to fall apart because I talk to youth pastors. I ask that question all the time. How do you make a disciple? And they usually give me this answer nine out of 10 times, small groups. And I'll tell you this right now, and you know this, Mike, small groups are a great way to meet, to get to know students, to go deeper because we have, we have space to discuss and all those things. But there's a lot of small groups that aren't making disciples. And small groups in and yeah. of themselves don't make disciples. People make disciples. And we're, we're living in a time where many of our adult volunteers have never been discipled themselves, and so they don't know how to disciple. So I really believe, I really believe that we as youth pastors need to learn how to disciple ourselves, and we need to learn how to transfer how we disciple to other people. And that's where it's getting lost, that transfer. I know a lot of youth pastors naturally get a Coke or a coffee and sit down with kids and they can disciple, like they can do it, but they ne- can't necessarily train somebody else to do it. And that's where I see some breakdown in, in what we're doing. Yeah, I, there's so much. How long of an answer there. was that? Um, that was, uh, I don't care. <laughs> it was really, that was really good. Um, all right, so so here's, uh, so I'm thinking through uh, what you're saying and what it sounds to me is like, um, faith that works, right? So we're not saved by faith and works, right? But, but saving faith works. Um, and if we want to disciple students, what are we calling them towards? Are, are we calling them just to, just to think thoughts? Um, like, is the gospel just a good idea? Um, or does the gospel do anything? Like the gospel gives new life. If the gospel gives new life, and gives us a new heart and produces joy, a joyful obedience and, and, and a living repentance, then we're actually, we're shortchanging students from the life of the gospel when we're not calling them to do anything. Um, and one of the things that really clicked for me in, in my own mind and in my own ministry um, that uh, significantly was prompted by by leader tracks and by by your ministry was the way that calling students to use their influence not to build their kingdom but for the sake of the gospel 
and helping students to really know themselves, um, their, their gifts, their passions, uh, their talents, and to use their whole self in light of the gospel in order to, to influence others for the name of Jesus. Um, Amen. That's leadership development. That's just discipleship, right? That, that's just good ministry yep. where we're calling students to live in light of the gospel because the gospel is not just a good idea. The gospel is not just a theory. Um, the, the gospel is an, a, a new life that we receive in Christ. I would make so, this argument. Um, this is this is kind of just a, a way of thinking about it. Just just change your perspective a second to drive innovation. Yeah. Just think about this for a minute. The old Billy Graham stat that eighty five percent of people come to know Christ before the age of eighteen. Remember this stat? Yeah. And even, even yeah. Uh, Fuller did some work on this. Can I say Fuller on this podcast? Am I allowed to say? Uh, say that? <laughs> of course you can. Uh, uh, <laughs> they did some work and they said, yeah, it's actually still eighty one percent. And it's really be before yeah. the age of 15 now, 14, 15, they said. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, that's the case. If the most people that will come to know Christ are in that age category, they, they go to one place. It's called school, right? And our students yeah. are there. So I would make the case that our students are the most powerful tools in God's hand to share the gospel than anybody else in this country. So how are we preparing them? We're sending them to the greatest mission field ever. The, the local mm -hmm. junior high, high school, right? I mean, it, yep. is, it is a mission field. How are we preparing them? How are we resourcing them? How are we equipping them yeah. to do this great and awesome work? Yeah. Okay. So, so in line with that, um, let, let's get kind of practical um, counsel for youth workers. Um, so I know many youth workers, myself included, uh, many starts and stops with student leadership teams and having this and having that. And um, I know for, for myself, it was like uh, we'd have a student leadership team. We'd meet, you know, once, twice, maybe even three times. Um, and then it just kind of fizzles and, and dies. Um, yep. I know you're, you're not a huge advocate of like, a student ministry team, right? That so what right. what are we misunderstanding about student leadership in our ministries when we hear about student leadership and we think, oh, we need a student leadership team? Um, what are what are your recommendations about that? About how how we need to think differently about student leadership and what do you recommend? Okay, I'm gonna give two, maybe three answers here. Uh, the first one is this sure. I think most student leadership teams. I think their time has come and gone because of a few reasons. One is most student leadership teams are really responsibility teams. And what they are is they're a group of 12 because Jesus had 12. And uh, they really only two or three in the group really lead. Everybody else is just watching what the two or three do. And we only put yeah. students in, on these uh, teams that are responsible. So I know this is the case because youth pastors will come up to me after a training and they'll always say this, Doug, love, loved what you said, you know. Um, uh, but my students aren't ready. I hear this all the time. My students aren't ready. And I always say, oh, thank you so much. Could you tell me when your students will be ready? 
I've asked this question, Mike, about 7,000 times and no youth pastor has ever answered, right? When will they be ready? Well, they'll be ready when they're responsible enough or when they're a junior and a senior, Mm -hmm. right? We're back to, we're back to experience and age, right? That's what we're back to. So the truth of the matter is, is that our job is not to take responsible kids and make them leaders. Our job is to take non-leaders and make them leaders. I say this all the time. If you want to be the person who takes responsible kids and makes them leaders, it's easy. It's not hard at all. That's why they're responsible kids. What's really hard is to take that non-leader who's maybe leading but in a negative way and actually help them, him or her, see their God-given wiring and gifting and their potential and to turn them from a non-leader into someone who becomes an influencer and somebody with impact. It's really the role we're talking about. You know, and I like to give this example. If you were to say to a group of students, hey, could you guys come in early and set up the chairs for youth group? I'd like a half moon, 50 chairs, two aisles, and a podium at the front. That would be a responsible leadership team. It wouldn't be a leadership team. If you wanted to make that a leadership team, you would say to the students, hey, students, did you guys come in early? You know our values. Will you set up the room tonight? Now, in the second request, Mike, am I going to get half moon, 50 chairs, two aisles, and a podium up front? No, probably not. I'm probably going to get a circle or I'm going to get something else. Mm-hmm. But something. what I'm going to get yeah. is I'm going to get their vision for how we should meet. And that's leadership. When they mm-hmm. get to vision it, then they're leading. If they're just doing yeah. what we're telling them to do, they're just a responsibility team. So one of the things that I don't like about student leadership teams is they tend to do what they saw the team last year do. And that mm. kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. They, they tend yeah. to do what they're told to do and not what they vision to do. And so yeah. one of the things I like to do is I like to do leadership labs. And a leadership lab is this. It's defined as an adult who is going to develop students as disciples and leaders for a small season, two to three months, and for one main project or area of leadership. So I got students that want to be in student leadership, but they're so busy, they're doing nine or 10 other things. That's why you have three meetings and everybody disappears. They're way too busy, right? What I want to do is I want to go grab a couple of students, one, two, three, and I want to challenge them. I want to say, listen, I see God at work in you doing these things. I I give them sort of a profile of how I see God working with them. And then I say this, if you'd get involved in a relationship with me, I see this as your potential. I see God doing this in your life. This is the potential I see. And so what I do is I say, would you join me for two to three months in a leadership lab? And at the end of that leadership lab, what I want you to do is I want you to lead the fall retreat. And I'm not going to ask a football player because football players don't have time. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask girls that play soccer or boys that play volleyball or kids that are not in the play or not in the spring orchestra or all that. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. students that have time, that actually have the yeah. time. I'm going to ask a couple of them. I'm going to ask them to make a commitment. You meet with me for discipleship and leadership training two, three times a week. We're going to meet in a small group, just the two or three of us. And we're going to do this for a short period of time. And I'm going to 
train you to lead this thing. We're going to do the fall retreat. And at the end of the fall retreat, we'll get together, we'll debrief, we'll talk about what we learned, and we'll be done. Are you interested? Yeah. And what I find is that students go, yeah, I could do that. I, 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 can, I can do that commitment. Highly relational, yep. high, high amount of discipleship, high amount of leadership training, really great experience. I like leadership labs. And you can run multiple leadership labs at a time. Almost every yeah. aspect of youth ministry can be a leadership lab. Even the snack shack can be a leadership lab, right? Hospitality, event mm-hmm. planning, small group, teaching, everything can be a leadership lab if we want it to be. And I think that we can even get our adult volunteers who might get excited about doing a leadership lab. There's adults in your church that don't want to play bombardment and don't want to go to the lock-in, but they would really like to mentor a student, right? We know this. Yeah. We see this yeah. all the time. So leadership labs, when they're set up correctly and they have the right adult volunteer in them, wow, they can be wildly effective. And you can put a lot more students through leadership labs than you can with student leadership teams. No application, yeah. just an invitation, no, no uh, meetings to go to, but real relational time that you're committed to. Boy, I think I, mm-hmm. I wrote a e- free ebook on this and our we- on the Leader Treks website called Reimagine yep. Student Leadership. Go to the Leader Treks website, download it. You can read all about it. Yeah, it's great. It's h- highly recommended. Uh, I'll I'll link to all those um, in the show notes of of this episode too. A um, few things I love about that. Um, it's really intentional, right? It, it, it's like easy to. Yep. We're gonna do this fall retreat. Um, we need to work on our, the gospel culture in our ministry. How do we do that? Right. How do we make this retreat a really healthy situation? How, how can we invite a few students in to the process? So you're not directing them. Here's exactly what we need to do. So you're setting the vision. Here's, here's the retreat. Here's what we're going to be doing at the retreat. Um, here are some things I'm concerned about that I've noticed in the ministry. What do you think? How do we make some changes? Um, you have actual freedom to, to lead, right? Uh, very empowering. Um, I, I'm teaching uh, my series and just kind of feeling like the lessons just aren't landing and connecting with students. Okay, so plan out and map out your next youth group series and invite two or three students to meet with you, um, you know, once or twice a week over the next two weeks as you prepare ahead of time for that series and walk them through the lessons and get their feedback. Right. So it, it's, it's short, it's accessible, it's, uh, intentional, it's relational. I think there's just a really good ministry. Um, and it has a defined timeline, which makes it a much easier. Yes. For students that feels like a really big thing to commit to. So Amen. yeah, big fan. I love it. All right, so um, time is uh, doing what time does. And um, if, if there's a youth worker listening, uh, they're hearing all this, they think it's great, they think it sounds great, they don't know, like, how do I, how do I start? Where do I start? Um, what resources are there? What questions should I even be asking to assess my own ministry? Um, could you just share a, a few accessible first steps 
for for youth leaders who are curious and interested? Yeah, I I think that um, I think that there's a, a number of things that you can do. One is if you don't have a discipleship process that you use and that you train your adults on, that's something that I would work on right away. Um, LeaderTrex has the discipleship pathway. It's a tool we use. The five-step process that you that I think you go through to disciple a student, and it's very transferable. It's very visual. We make it as a visual. Um, and and I think that, that that is something that can be a really good tool for you to have. But I, I really think about um, this. Define discipleship in your youth ministry and then define a process. Now, every process is going to be different. Every student is going to be different, right? But at least have a framework for what you're trying to do. I think that's, that's really a first step. I think, uh, I think some resources that LeaderTrex offers is Deep Discipleship is a full youth ministry system that helps you if you want to make discipleship your target. Like if you want to be a discipleship-making youth ministry, this is, this is a tool for you, and there's a lot of things to it. If you want to get started in student leadership, there's a great little book called Student Leaders Start Here. It's got five assessments in it. It's got Bible study. It's got small group material. It's got mentoring things in it. It's a great little tool uh, to be able to grab. I think they're, they're only a few bucks, and they really work well. So mm-hmm. those are some of the resources that we offer to get, to get going right away. But boy, if I if I was a youth pastor today and I and I was sitting here listening to this, I'd be like, can I define discipleship in my youth ministry? And how what is the process that we use to do it? And can I teach others that process? Um, I'd also say um a few other leader tracks resources I want to recommend. Um I am a disciple, um, the student devotional book that you guys have. That is my go-to devotional that I give students who want to start reading the Bible. Um, I buy that in like 25 <laughs> uh, increments of 25. Uh, it is such an outstanding And we resource. appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yes, you're welcome. Um, because here, here's what I love about Leader Treks is that it's a really practical ministry about student leadership and, and all these things. And when I brought my kids to... Um, to your missions trip, they went home knowing how to read their Bible. And that was so unexpected. And every missions organization that I've partnered with in the past has said, yeah, there's devotional time. But you guys, like when when Leader Trucks does devotional time, they do devotional time. Like it is an hour in the word or 45 minutes or an hour in the word. 45 like, it minutes. Is significant, yeah. It is significant time in scripture with different Bible study methods to actually walk students through, how do I spend 45 minutes in scripture? And at the end of that 45 minutes, uh, they, they are not bored. They are not unengaged. They're not feeling like, oh, I didn't know what to do. Like m- my students came home from missions trip and they continued reading the Bible. They kept practicing these Bible study methods. Um, and your I am a disciple and other de- student devotionals uh, walk students through these different Bible study methods uh, in a way that that literally trains students how to use their devotional time in Bible study. And I think that is an outstanding resource that I joyfully commend to every youth pastor who I talk to. <laughs> so 
really want to highlight I got to tell you, too. I was writing, uh, I'm writing a curriculum for a denomination right now. And I was in a meeting where they were, re- we're going through the first draft. We're doing the review and a youth pastor puts his hand up and he goes, are you going to put those, those things that you use to study the Bible? Are you putting that in here? And I was like, yeah, that's in here. And he's like, okay, that's, that's all I, that's the only question I have. I just want to, I just want my kids to be able yeah. to study the Bible. And I love those tools. So a lot of youth pastors yep. love that. I think we all want our students to study yeah. scripture, but we don't know how to teach them. And these tools can right. really help them, which is, I love yeah. that about it. Really, really accessible, faithful, outstanding. Um, all right. Uh, uh, we need to wrap up. Um, any final encouragements, uh, suggestions, anything to, to close out? Well, I would, I would just say this, that I think today, as our churches, are, our churches and our culture are going through great change, I think the one thing that can stay constant is our calling to make disciples. I think that no matter what changes in church culture, world culture, whatever, we are called to make disciples. Let's fulfill that calling. Let's answer the bell. Let's, let's hear Jesus's words ring in our head and let's go out and make it happen. Let's go out and do it. I don't think in this, in this time of complete chaos and everybody's asking, what do we do? How do we do it? What, what, what? Let's go back to what Jesus said. Let's make disciples. And if we do that, it'll take care of everything else. Let's do that. So I, I, I know that there's a lot of chaos. I know there's a lot of change. I know everybody's looking for the secret formula to turn it around and all these other things. Hey, let's just do what Jesus said to do. Let's make disciples. Amen. Simple enough. Doug, thank you. Um, thanks for your ministry. Thanks for your friendship. Uh, thanks for joining this conversation. Yeah, love being with you. Mike. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. YPT's mission is to empower youth workers to pursue theological depth because we're committed to inviting students into a faith that's big enough to grow into. You can learn more about the ministry and other resources we offer at youthpastortheologian.com, and you can find us on most social media at Youth Theologian. <laughs>